Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Tune In with Meredith podcast, soon to be Guiding God's Daughters. I'm so excited you're here. I just want to ask you before we start, if you'd share this podcast with your friends, because the more people hear this, the more people God can reach, because this work is ultimately for Him. So let me just jump in. There are three things we're going to cover this week. Women's History Month, why I was at CPAC, and your Lenten message, and with a little tidbit about my upcoming book release. So first, let's start off with Women's History Month. So March is Women's History Month. And it's funny because when I was thinking about this, I wanted to take a different approach than what you see out there in pop culture. I think a lot of it has been wrapped up in this radical feminism or not, and we're not all in that camp. In fact, I know because I've talked to you, many of you, there are those of you that are like me, women of God, who are for women, strong women, powerful women, making an impact in their homes, in their work, in their marriages, in their communities. And that is the opposite of what the world is teaching. In fact, I don't know how much you've been looking into this concept of American Marxism, but it's no joke. It's everywhere. There's a great book I've recommended before, but I highly recommend you read it. It's called We Will Not Be Silenced by Erwin Lutzer. There's a lot of great info in it to help kind of educate you. But I just want to mention three things from his chapter, How We Got Here. First, he says, belief in God in the Bible with its teachings about social institutions such as marriage is the source of multiple forms of oppression. He also talks about the feminist ferment or feminine upheaval upheaval as the key to liberating the family from multiple forms of oppression. That word oppression is just so restricting. Here's a good one. Women are told they are victims, victims of the past, of social norms, of traditions, and of men. Only victimhood will make them willing to break out of their Judeo-Christian past and enter the Marxist ideal of the world where everyone is equal. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, those of us that have been, you know, I have been in that space, that Me Too space. I know a lot of other women have too. I'm not saying that people aren't the victim when they go through that. But I think this whole Marxist ideal is kind of making, you know, it's that identity politics of making, you know, victimhood this, um, I like true identity, which again is why we need to make our identity in Christ. Um, and it's interesting. So it's like, if you're married or a stay at home mom, you're oppressed, which is not how we feel at all. We feel, especially if we have husbands that support us and are beside us and walk with us, we feel solid and strong. So I don't want to be a victim. I'm all about being the victor over your circumstances. But I think the problem is this culture is pushing the identity of the victim to disempower people and make them think they're being empowered by that. It's ludicrous. By the way, I don't know about you, but I am proud to say I'm a wife, a mom, and I work, and that's just my story. That's who God's called me to be, and I'd much rather choose that than what the society is trying to push on me. It blows me away that so many people think they're empowered by this idea of oppression. It's like, let's focus on the negative, not what you can do to work through the negative with God's help and bring the light of Christ to the world. Anyway, you know, what I started to do the other day, I started to read about the women who were there at the beginning of American history, walking beside our founding fathers. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But before I do that, I want to wrap up this women's history topic, women's history month topic with talking about um, the importance of finding women who are solid, strong, value-driven, hope-filled leaders. 
Um, I heard one woman this past weekend refer to another woman leader as a lioness. Uh, because yes, we are mama bears and we hunt for our family and uh, don't mess with us. So I just want to give you a few examples of these amazing women I got to witness in Florida this past weekend. There's a ton, but I'm just going to tell you about a few so you can look them up and follow them because they're a lot more inspiring and interesting than half the fluff that's out there. So first, Carrie Lake. Funny, I looked her up um, and there was some article, of course, from the New Republic. Meet the MAGA extremist who might be Arizona's next governor. Love that description. Yeah, the media isn't biased. Anyway, here's why she was ama she's amazing. She was a television journalist who left the business because she knew it was corrupt. She was asked for a run for off to run for office, and now that's what she's doing. She stood on stage and literally was pointing at the press, saying to them, wake up. Why don't you, you know, you know they're all lying. You know this whole system is a bust, so why don't you tell the truth? You step out of it. She was just incredible, and I can totally see her becoming governor, but her boldness is what inspired me. Next is Mercy Schlapp. Her and her husband are running CPAC. She's a rock star and an old friend from the White House. Um, you know, she's not only gorgeous, but she's brilliant and she's standing up for everyone who isn't backing down from the fight. Um, not to mention she's faith filled and she doesn't ha care how many people hate her and she's got five daughters. So she's near and dear to my heart and she inspires me. Next one is Crystal Mafuz. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but she's the owner of Ace Specialties, which is the company in Louisiana that produces Trump's merchandise, i.e. the makeup mega hats. Um, the dream planted in her and the story of it is pretty incredible. Um, she's agreed to be on my podcast, so you'll see that hopefully maybe this summer. Um, but my friends and I are about to walk out of the room when she started to talk and we just stopped in our tracks and sat down and turned around. We were like, whoa, this woman's pretty incredible. And then wouldn't you believe it, later that day, the Lord just puts her right in my path and we got to have this awesome conversation. But the best part is, is she talked, she brought, she brought God into it, loved her. Um, next is KT McFarland. The left hates her. She's the former deputy national security advisor under Michael Flynn, and she's a rock star. She blew me away with her steadfastness and her intelligence, but she also had this personal story. She took 10 years off from politics to be a stay-at-home mom. She's a stepmom. And you know what? She was abused as a child. Um, and I found this out on her so-called bio on Wikipedia, which is another biased encyclopedia. You know, it's Wikipedia. Anyway. But I thought this quote was funny, maybe because I'm in Frozen World. But Disney heroines helped her overcome her obstacles and inspired her to believe that women could achieve whatever they wanted. So fascinating. Um, next one is Kaylee McEnany. That woman used to be Trump's press secretary. Um, she didn't get up and speak, but I saw her um, in the booth reporting. And when she was up there on stage, you know, fighting off all these people, just constantly barraging Trump, I was like, that woman's an inspiration. She's tough as balls, and I really like her. So what I saw was her backstory. I saw her on the screen getting ready to report, and I saw her little daughter behind the camera, probably with her nanny, but it's like she had her daughter there. She's not just, you know, blazing a trail, but she's also a mom. She was just awesome. The last one is Tudor Dixon. Of course, another God plan. This woman's, I'm sitting next to this woman at the Reagan dinner on Saturday night. Of all the thousands of people, I'm placed next to her. She's running for the governor of Michigan, my state, and um, loved her. She is not afraid. She's like, I just know I need to be a strong voice. She's a mom of four, cancer survivor, and she worked in the steel industry as a kid, um, as a young woman, and, and then she went to be a TV news post. But there's 13 people in the race for governor and she's just showing up because she believes she needs to show up. 
I mean, she just isn't afraid. Like, let's just do it. Um, those are the women that inspired me. Um, it's, there's a lot of junk out there and there's a lot of these women who are driven by faith and values and, and they're bold, um, and they're fierce. And I want to make history because I saw these women doing that. And I want to be bold for my daughter and my stepchildren. And that brings me to my next topic. Why CPAC? So you may have seen my photos of um, Trump on Facebook and my red hat from the Trump rally. And um, CPAC is called Conservative Political Action Committee. Yes, if you don't know, I am a conservative. Um, And I'm sure there's people that are horrified by this and some of you that won't be shocked by this. But I didn't post it to be obnoxious or brag. You know, I didn't even post it because I think Trump is the one. I posted it because I think Trump is the best chance we have for winning back our country. So I'm standing up for what I believe. It was hard to post that because I know that people aren't going to like me. I fully expect to be ridiculed and judged, but I know who my redeemer is and more importantly, who my real savior is. His name is Jesus. I sported a hat they gave us that said save America because I do believe he can be the leader that guides us through that, but he is not and never could be a savior. There's one single one, Jesus. I know some leftists leftists try to make those of us who are conservative to be these Trump obsessed people. He's a person. He's flawed. He's just a vessel and the Lord uses broken vessels to carry out his plans. He's a strong man for the attacks he has withstood from the people who haven't stopped. That's an inspiration to me. You know, I was raised in politics. I've been around a lot of presidents. I've worked on presidential campaigns. I've worked in the White House. I know what it means to see presidential up close. The president we have today is not presidential in the slightest. The man I saw speak last weekend very much is. I was impressed by his presence. um, Honestly, even though he has that fake tan, that crazy hair, and he says stupid things on Twitter when he was on there, he was real. He was present, especially to the people in the audience. I could see it wasn't all about him, but that's what the media will tell you. And I'm here to tell you that's not what I saw up close. He acknowledged our God-given rights as Americans, Americans, that we need to get them back. He recognized God on the throne. That is huge, especially for a girl who left politics to find God. That being said, I absolutely never thought I'd go to something like CPAC, but my conservative values have become more evident in the wake of the COVID crisis, the Biden presidency, and the fact that I have a two-year-old who's growing up in this crazy world. <coughs> so I showed up because I trust that if God wants to use, more, use me more in that area of my life, then I just have to be obedient, even if it's uncomfortable. I'll tell you more on that in a minute. Here's what I wrote on a notepad after seeking Trump, seeing Trump speak. I don't agree with the woke agenda. I believe we have the rights to freedom and the pursuit of happiness based on our rights given to us by God. I'm a person who believes in the truth of God's word and that his wisdom is greater than any intelligence I could acquire on this earth. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk For those who walk in him are blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. You know, I've often wondered why the Lord had me raised in Philadelphia, where the founding father started working in Washington, D.C., and gave me this dad who was like mega patriotic. And, you know, I I just it's like I have this kind of passion for America based on all those experiences, just like you've had experiences that informed your beliefs. So. For me, the future of America is important to me. The history of America is important to me because our past informs our future. We can't erase the future, but we can learn from it and do better. We can't erase the past, I mean. 
The current administration wants to erase history and teach things to my daughter that do not reflect the values I believe. Faith and family are important to me. I can shy away from my beliefs and let myself be silenced, but then I'm not fighting the spiritual battle between good and evil that is occurring right now. I won't let Jesus be erased in our culture. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians verse 520, chapter 5, verse 20 from the New Living Translation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You know, my dad was the ambassador to Luxembourg. And when I first really read the scripture, I thought, wow, that's funny. I get to be Christ's ambassador. Dad would be proud. So I'm not shying away. I'm going to shine bright for my conservative values and the Lord God on the throne. So that brings me to the last thing. Um, I want to give you a little spiritual insight for your Lenten season because I'm going to keep, keep bringing God into life. So let's talk about being uncomfortable. All you got to do is mention Trump and know you're uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with stating my beliefs simply because he is so hated. I never shy away from sharing the word, but sharing him, sharing about going to see him, I fear the judgment of other people. And how often do we do that? We put other people's opinions about us above what God knows about us. But if we stand up for truth, we aren't going to be loved by the world. That's just a fact. But I'd rather be on God's side than the world's. Remember that Jesus was hated. John 15, 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Then there is 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is, I've shared in other podcasts, a ton of people are sharing. It's all about what's happening in the end times. I encourage you to go read it. But verse 12, it says, In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that's true. People like to tag us as crazy. It's all over, you know, mainstream media and TV shows. Oh, yeah, people who believe in God are crazy, whatever. What's so awesome at the end of that chapter, though, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, is this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's literally telling you the world's going to look like this and you're going to be called crazy. So you do this, get in the word, period. It's uncomfortable to get in the word, to find the time to do it and not look at it like a boring textbook, but don't let the devil deceive you. The Lord will guide you into truth. You know, when I was in Florida for CPEC, this meme came up on my feed, ironically, right before God kind of, I was uncomfortable. God's callings are oftentimes uncomfortable. If they weren't, then we'd, we've simply stepped from one comfort zone to another. Bam. That's from seeds among the soil. But it's so true. We can't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Um, so let me tell you this funny story from the weekend. So my friend and I went to this women's breakfast and, you know, it's coming to the end of it. She has to run to the bathroom. She goes inside and texts me and goes, they've already opened up the magnometers, which is the security doors kind of when there's going to be a presidential event you have to go through. Um, so she goes in and gets the seats for this, for when Trump is going to speak. It's nine in the morning. He's speaking at like seven at night. So I'm stuck in a ballroom all day. Oh my gosh. 10 years ago, I would have lost it, but I just kind of sat there and went with it. And I trusted that God was going to provide the food I needed. And he did. You know, um, I had a little salad that I kind of portioned throughout the day, but um, I was able to get water. Um, I was able to get my needs met, um, even though it was uncomfortable. 
And uh, it just kind of showed me. And then I had this horrendous sinus infection. So I'm getting up and running to the bathroom, blowing my nose. It was just bleh. But I was present. And what's funny is I ran into one of my dad's friend, old friends, this guy, Deal Hudson. And after seeing him, I got rather choked up sitting in my seat. And I said to my friend, I'm like, oh, this is just one of those times where I'd really love to go up to my room and just cry. But I couldn't. And then um, this lady who I just met who lost her husband on her grief journey, had lost her husband four months ago, came back to finish telling me the story about losing her father. I mean, her, her husband, like five minutes after the Lord, I ran into this guy. It was like, boy, does the Lord comfort us. And it reminded me of 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 3 through 4, verse 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Just right there in the middle of it, he just was like, hey, I'm going to provide what you need and your basic needs, and then I'm going to provide support in your grief. So evidence, the evidence of God just blows me away. There were so many moments this week where I was like, whoa, he's really showing up. Whoa, that could have only happened by him. So do I fear standing up and stepping out in this truth? Of course, but I know the Lord God will, God will protect me and guide me. And just like so much in my life, he understands more than anything, what it means not to be loved by the world. And that is an inspiration. So I don't know where you're at in that place or what's making you uncomfortable, but I do know that God is asking you to step out, not shrink back. I pray you go to him in that space and ask for his guidance and then he meets you there. I pray you have courage to do his will and keep trusting in his promises. One final thing. Woo, it's a lot today. So when it comes to Lent, today starts Lent, Ash Wednesday, I just want to encourage you to check your motives. Keep your motives in check. I know some of you are probably thinking, okay, I'm going to give this up and lose this much weight. And I just want to encourage you to drop that motive at the end. Focus on giving that thing you can't stop going to and leave the rest up to God. Focus on him. Don't get on that scale every day of Lent wondering if you're dropping the weight. If you do, you're keeping your motive self-focused, not God-focused. You want to be God-focused in this season of Lent. Don't give yourself that false hope that by restricting, you're going to lose the weight. Put your hope in God. Flip the script. By letting go of this food or this behavior, I want to grow closer to God. Say that to yourself. So my new book, I talk a ton about this. I'm supposed to be coming out April 5th. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. But I talk a ton about why this is about spiritual transformation, not behavior modification, like all the whole diets have us try to do. And I'm really going to help you tune into God's voice on this journey because you probably don't realize how present God is when it comes to your obsession with food and weight. So, woo, there's so much there. I hope it helps. I hope it encourages you. And I think that's going to be it for today. And um, I will see you next week. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your weekend. And hopefully you've got sun out that window just like I do. All right. Love you guys. And um, I will see, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.